We have been going um, through over the last few weeks grace, which is an acrostic talking about the vision that the church has set aside for this year. We've talked about G, which is learning to be people who are genuine with one another, genuine in our speech and genuine in our actions, that we won't be hypocritical, that we will say how we feel and what we believe and we'll carry that out and it will be in accordance with what God has in store for his people. We then talked about R, which was as people talk to us and as God talks to us, we'll be receptive. We, we won't be doofuses. I mean, we, we won't, fools is the word. We, we won't be foolish and we won't be evil, but we will listen. We'll zip it and take in what people are saying and think about it and apply it to our lives. This is what God wants for us to be, to be people who receive what he has to say, to think about it, and to receive the benefit that we have from other people within the family of God. Last week we began talking about A, and we've talked about being active people, how we as Christians are supposed to be active. We're not... Let me give you an example. I went last night to go stargazing. Now, stargazing is a lot of fun and my sister-in-law had a birthday recently. She had the big... And we went to um, celebrate and she's really into astronomy. And one of her friend's friends owns the biggest telescope in in four states. So we went out into the middle of a schoolyard. We got permission from the vice principal because he wanted to come and look at the big telescope. And got it set up. And we were going to have a look at the stars. And it was amazing. This is massive mirror. I mean, it's humongous. And he sets it all up and you have to have a ladder. And I'm not talking a little ladder. I'm talking big ladder where you have to climb up to peer in the thing to have a look at the stars. And we got to have a look at Mars and what's the one with the rings? That one. And a nebula and something else. I didn't get to see the last one because I fell asleep. I had a nice little chair and it was late and the reason I fell asleep was it took him time to actually focus on this little spot in the sky and there were about 12 of us who were there to celebrate with my sister-in-law and by the time 12 people climb a ladder and get down, it's a long time. So I was kind of one of the last ones and we fell, I fell asleep um, because what used to happen is while we were waiting for him to focus on this little part of the sky and people were climbing up and down um, everyone would be talking and I'm not necessarily a great talker, particularly when it's dark and I can't read their lips so it's kind of like pointless. Um, but as they were having this conversation, they had a whole range of conversations but I kind of fell asleep in the last one. But one of the ones earlier in the night amused me, I might say. There was a group of people who were talking about this thing called um, MasterChef. Anyone watch the show regularly? Be honest. Yeah, there's a few out there. Anyways, these people were having a conversation about MasterChef. I have not seen a show. I think I've watched one half of one episode. But they were having this conversation about who was going to win this one and who was going to win that one. And it was amazing. They were talking about foodstuffs and how it's all going to work together. And what amazed me the most was the two of the people who are carrying on this conversation I know reasonably well and they don't cook. One in particular has trouble boiling vegetables, which is the only thing that she can do. And she's passionate about MasterChef. 
She knows everything about it. She knows who's won the last ones. She has an understanding of the different types of pasta that are out there. And she's into it. And I know she can't cook to save her life. I know that because she comes to our place at least once a week to eat. Right. I have never seen this show and I enjoy cooking. Why? Because you cook, you eat. It makes sense to me. Some people uh, go into the Christian life like that. They know all about the stuff that's there. They understand what the scriptures have to say. They can divide the scriptures. They understand their theology. They know what God says or has said. And they're passionate about that. Do it? No. They're spectators. They're observers. Is God interested in that stuff? Yes, he wants us to know what he said. But he is far more interested in saying that we as his people are to be active. We're to have the knowledge and to take his word and to read it and to do it. Active is what we're called upon to be. And so we as a church want us to be active. And we've talked about this in a number of ways. We've talked about the fact that we're to be active in worship. When we come together to worship like we have this evening, that we participate. Active in fellowship, in sharing with one another, that we actually share our lives with each other in that God sphere. This morning, if you hear that, um, Pastor Dale talked about being active using our gifts. Taking what the Spirit has given us and using it not just holding on to it. And this evening from this passage, we want to look at being active in service. What it means to serve one another. I used to work in Ethiopia and one of the jobs that I had while I was first there was to oversee Bible schools. Now we had 200 local language Bible schools that I was supposed to oversee and help to do in the training of teachers, building new Bible schools, all of those sorts of things. But if you want to get around and train the staff for 200 Bible schools, you've got to actually travel and it's Ethiopia. You can't get them all together, so you have to go on a land cruiser, which was a lot of fun to drive. And I used to go and it would take six weeks on this big long trip to go and visit the teachers and to do teacher training on whatever it was we were doing for a particular year. Because we had 600 staff and we had to get around and meet all of them. And this one year in particular, I took a young guy with me who was one of my students up in the capital city. So he was a graduate type student and we were going out to train the others and he was my translator, one of my students. And we didn't know each other very well at the beginning of this six weeks, but we learned to know each other really well by the end of the first six weeks. And it was probably the first place that we went, possibly the second, we arrived and I go to get my bags out of the car. All right, two suitcases, that should do me. I was going to get one bag out. He rushes up to me and he says, David, David, sir, don't do that. Let me carry them for you. Let me serve you. I thought, that's nice. Yeah, I can handle that. We're going to be together for six weeks. I think I can cope with this. And so he reaches for my bag and I start to turn away and he goes, claps his hands and calls someone over and says, take his bag. (laughs) I go back and I look at him and I say, what's going on? He said, you're too important to carry a bag. (laughs) and I'm too important to carry a bag. We're the guests here. Let them do it. They like doing it. I said, you have to be kidding me. He said, no, no, that's fine. So I I went and got my own bag and carried it. If he wants to serve me, that's fine, but not tell someone else to do it. 
That was the first meeting. Is that echo from me? How is that? Is that better? I don't know. Um, anyways, the second place that we went, we drove and it was into a place and uh, we were camped in our conference centre about two kilometres from the town where people got their food. And we had all the teachers coming from all over and they would learn in the morning from us and then at lunchtime they'd have to go into town to get their food. And the first day this happened, we ended our first meeting and we said, off you go and get lunch. And Degafa, my friend, who is now my friend, he wasn't my friend then, he, he, said, he walked to the car, the Land Cruiser, and said, let's go get lunch. I said, what do you mean let's go get lunch? He said, well, we drive to get lunch. I said, well, it's my Land Cruiser and I'm walking with the students to get lunch. He said, we're the teachers. We're important. We have a car. Let's use it. I said, no. He said, well, then I'm not eating. I said, okay. And I walked in, had lunch. And as I'm walking back, one of the other students is carrying like a container with food in it. And I said, what do you want takeaway for? He said, this is for Degafa. He asked me to bring him back some lunch. <laughs> well, there was a new rule instituted that no one was to buy lunch for anybody else. And the next day, Degafa walked into town rather grumpily with me. And as we were leaving that place and we're getting in the car, he turns to me and says, I just want to let you know I hate you. <laughs> I said, that's all right. I love you. He said, no, seriously, I really don't like you. Why? Because I had trodden on what he felt was his rights. He had reached this level where he felt he had gone through his apprenticeship of having to look after others and he was in a place now where he should be served. And I had squelched that. At the end of the six weeks, we had learned to appreciate one another and he is now one of my close friends in Ethiopia. And he's a different person in the end. It took that plus a number of years. He's the sort of guy now who is actually fairly humble, fairly patient, fairly kind. He looks out for other people, but it took time. Why? Because naturally he was like we naturally are, which is focused on one particular person, and that's us. Me. I. Now, Paul, in this passage that we've just looked at in Ephesians chapter 4, is talking to the church. He says, look, there is a way that you need to behave. He says this, as for you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We have been called to be humble towards one another, to love one another, to think of the other person, to serve each other. And it's not something that comes naturally. Paul goes on to talk about the fact that we only do this because God has worked in our lives. 
And he says, live a life worthy of what you've been called to. And he's, I think in his mind, looking back to the way that Christ was, Christ is, and how he treated those around him. This idea of serving one another. And he gave that prime example just before the communion was instituted. When he took a towel, took off his outer clothing, and went and washed his disciples' feet. On this very same trip, when I was with Degapha, we were going down into a town, and he hadn't been there before, and I hadn't been there before. And uh, I said, where do we go? He said, I don't know. And I said, you're the translator. You're supposed to know stuff. He said, I haven't been here beforehand. I said, oh, you're no help. Get out. Um, I didn't really. I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, ask the next Christian we come upon and they'll tell us where we have to go and have our meeting. He said, you can't just look at someone and see whether they're a Christian or not. I said, sure you can. It's easy. Ask the next guy. He's a Christian. We'll ask him and he'll tell us where to go. He said, how do you know he's a Christian from this distance? I said, he's got a huge Bible under his arm. What do you think he is? <laughs> he had this huge thing with a cross on it. So we went up and asked him and said, where do we go? He said, he hopped in the car and showed us this place. They weren't expecting us, but the people were very, very friendly and they invited us in and we stayed the night before we went travelling further. They hadn't been prepared for us and they invited us in and they asked us to have a seat. So we did. And we're sitting here unaware that out the back their children are fighting amongst each other. They're fighting for the privilege to come and wash our feet. Now I'm not talking clean feet like you've got. I had been on the road for about two weeks at this stage without a shower. I had changed my socks probably three or four days previously because, you know, it was Ethiopia, it's fine. So everything was dirty, dusty. It wasn't very nice. I won't talk in church what it was like, but I, I... I was just sitting there and they were out the back arguing about the privilege to come and wash our feet. The oldest daughter won. Our oldest daughters tend to win. And she came out to be able to wash our feet. And as she took my shoes off and then took my socks off, I'm imagining her thinking, bad idea. I should have let the youngest do it. But she had this huge grin on her, her face. And she washed our feet. And it wasn't any washing like pour a little bit of water, that's it. She got in between the toes, she was under the nails, took her about 10 minutes to get my feet beautiful and gave them a little massage and I'm just sitting there going, this is so embarrassing. It was early on in Degafer's existence and he's going, yeah, this is cool. (laughs) But she washed our feet and that is the attitude that Paul, I think, is talking about here, that we're to have to one another. This idea of being active in serving one another, that's the attitude we're called upon to have in Christ Jesus. That the person next to you and the person across the hall from you, that's one of the reasons we have facing each other, so you can see each other. You're to serve one another, to be active in service. It's not enough to know it. But the idea is the other person, what's good for them is what I have to do. What's good for them is how I'm supposed to act. What's good for them is how I'm supposed to speak. 
That's the attitude we're to have. But it doesn't come naturally. It's something that comes, and Paul goes on to say, as the Holy Spirit comes in us. One Lord, one God, one Spirit. We've been gifted by God and empowered by God to serve one another. The, the aim of, of looking at this tonight is that we as a congregation, we as church, have this attitude of actively seeking with the Spirit's help to treat each other like that. And you say, well, I'm, <laughs> you don't know what they're like. But the answer is God knows what we're like and he's put us together in this idea of building and encouraging one another up. Ephesians chapter 4 goes on to talk about pastors and leaders and elders and evangelists and he says that their main job, if you like, is to prepare the body to be theologically correct. No. To prepare the body to know how to refute bad things. No. He says the main job of the leadership of the church, the main job of those who have been gifted, is to prepare everyone, they themselves included, to do acts of what? Service to one another. Where to serve one another. I want you to think very Quickly, when was the opportunity, the last opportunity you had to serve someone else? Some folk rock up to church, take in, listen and leave. If you like, they're those spectators on MasterChef who go and watch everything that's going on but don't get in and do. They know here but they're not involved with the body. And bodies work as they're involved with one another. And what Paul is saying that if we are truly going to be the body of Christ, he has gifted you, me, us, to serve one another. And that as we serve one another, we grow. We grow in the body and as the body of Christ and we also serve the world. We develop the sort of relationship that as the people outside look on, they see that we have love one for another and they know we're the disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, if we don't do that, if we're not connected, if we're not looking out for each other and serving one another, they don't know we follow Jesus and we don't really know whether we follow Jesus or not either. We can have it all up here. But if it's not done here, in the interaction with one another, there's a falseness to it, is what Paul is saying. What's the outcome of being active one with another? Paul goes on to say that we become mature, we grow up, and we're not pushed one way or another way. Um, We've only got one baby here, so I'll I'll point out Annalise down the back. Um, Everyone loves babies, don't they? Yes? Any nose here? Everybody loves babies. They don't do much, right? (laughs) 
babies generally, I'm sure Annalise isn't like this, are selfish creatures. Everything is revolving around themselves. And generally they are noisy messes. That, that's what they do. They make noise and they make mess. And our job as family people is to go around and clean that up and to help and to watch them grow. Grow so that they learn to communicate with the people around them, interact with the people around them, have relationships with the people around them so that they actually begin to connect, to do things, to take responsibilities on and to work and be valuable parts of family and valuable parts of community and valuable parts of church, they grow up and they become mature. That's the aim. When they take on responsibility, and as they take on responsibility, they're a blessing, not only to the people around them, but God blesses them for the opportunity to do this. I was going to tell a story about one of my kids and I'm not sure whether I should or not. Yeah, I should, okay. For the last 18 and a half years, I've had the privilege of looking after and watching one of these little ones grow to get maturity and independence. And one of those last little ticks in the boxes for independence happened this week. The driving license. It's amazing. Now, I'm really pleased for Steph. I think it's absolutely fantastic. But look at the benefit for me. Youth group was Friday night. I didn't have to pick her up. I didn't have to drive here, pick her up and drive home. She drove herself. Do you know how much time that gave me? That gave me an extra half hour. And I didn't have to get dressed because I was in my pyjamas. So it gave me an extra 30 minutes and 4 seconds. (laughs) Bonus. And that wasn't the first time during the week where I might duck out to do something. It probably added up to an extra hour, hour and a bit during the week that was me time. Or time that I could do other things because she's grown up and she's doing things and she's got that extra responsibility and it's fantastic. She just has to remember to be home on time. All right? But it's a fantastic blessing. That's what we are supposed to be with one another. We do things where we're happy to serve one another, but so that we grow up into maturity. I've met Christian folk who have been Christians, it seems, for a long time, and spiritually it seems they're immature. Because everything kind of revolves around them still. And whatever they hear that they like, they go with. Or they do, or they act like, and it's all about me. And Paul says that if we actually work together, encouraging and serving one another, we grow up to be mature so that we're not pushed hither and thither. I think it's fascinating that the growth comes as we work together and serve one another. Sometimes we think that if I know more, I won't be pushed around. And what Paul has to say is if we work together, if we encourage and serve one another, we won't be pushed around. We will have a group of people around us who are looking out for us. 
and we will become the body of Christ that we're supposed to be. And this all hinges on the fact that A, we have this attitude towards serving one another. B, we recognise that this is what God wants us to be prepared for and C, we do it. We become active in service. And there's no service which is too menial. Carrying bags, moving chairs, preaching, whatever it is, all of the opportunities that we have to do things for other folk. We see a need, we take it, we do it. This is what we're called upon to do. And I would like to encourage you to look around at the people around you. You have a responsibility to them, to serve them. I actually want to do something else tonight, which is a little bit different. I want you to have an opportunity to share with the people around you and to show them that you want to serve them. And I thought the way we do it is, is the way that I, I learned in that little house in Ethiopia. What Jesus did, he washed their feet. So, You wonder why the chairs were still here, didn't you? You know what was the hardest part of having my feet washed? <laughs> I missed that. Well, it did tickle. Um, I had dirty feet. I didn't think anyone had washed my feet since I was about two. I'm not even sure my parents ever washed my feet, to be honest. I never remember back that far. But I was used to washing my own feet. I did it. I knew what was down there. I cut my own toenails. I don't like people washing my feet. I actually don't like people necessarily serving me a whole lot. I, I kind of like the independence. And I kind of feel... I'm not that special sometimes. Why would they serve me? They're more important than I am. So this is a two-way street. What I want you to do is to have a look around. Think about the fact that these are the people whom you love and you want to serve. Maybe there's someone whom you've had a disagreement with. Or maybe they're a family member, husband, wife. And you want to say, look, I, just, I love you. And this is just a, a, a way to show it. Maybe there's someone who's really blessed you and you say, look, I want to go, let me do this for you. And if you've got really grungy feet, it's an added blessing, right? But nobody really should be worried about that. So what I want you to do is have a think about that. Go and tap the person on the shoulder. If they say, no way, don't push them. It's cool. Right? But just bring them out the front here. And... Jug of water. See? It's easy. It's all planned. It's even warm water. And it was warm. <laughs> nope. Still warm. It was hot, actually, when I put it out. Get them to have a sit down in the seat. Take their shoes off, or if they want, let them take their own shoes off. I always find that easy, particularly with all the little zippers and everything else. So people go, let them take their own shoes off. That's fine. Maybe take them off in the front row here. Come and have a sit down. Just wet their feet. There's a little bit of soap there if you want to. You don't need to use that. Then I've got some paper towels. I'll bring them out. Pat them dry. 
and just have an opportunity to serve the person. Maybe as you're washing their feet, pray for them. It's a great thing to be able to do. Now, I was at a church a while ago and we actually did this and it started really slowly. People weren't quite sure of it. It then went on. It took 25, 30 minutes. We actually had to close the service and let people still doing it. And you're very welcome to do that. While people are washing people's feet up there, talk with the person next to you, but talk about God things. Pray for people. And we're going to spend five, six minutes, ten minutes, having an opportunity to wash each other's feet. And then the, the musos will come and they will maybe close in song. And if you still want to keep, if there's someone you want to say, look, I want to serve you. We as a community want to serve one another. Then this stuff will be up here as we share um, supper together. Tap someone on the shoulder and say, look, I, I just want to show that we're a part of the same family and I want to serve you and can I just do this just as a symbol to say that I care. Right? Is that, is that clear? Any questions? No questions whatsoever. Great. Well, go tap somebody on the shoulder. There's three spots. If you want, yeah, that'd be nice.